as we're looking at it, it, it isn't saying that desire in sin of itself is, is a bad thing, but when you start acting on that desire, it does become sin. Just like when you look at stuff, it's when you take act on what you're doing. Hey, I'm Amani. And this is Elijah. And this is the Deeper Waters Podcast by Piscatus Bros. Diving right into the waters right here. <laughs> so essentially, we are here to give some sort of Gen Z Bible study, you could say, where we are here as Gen Zers, and we are here to come to you and bring God's word. We are Gen Zers. We were, we're, we're told off that we're sleeping, and we might just be validating <laughs> that point right now. But anyways, going into what we were looking at earlier, we're just trying to follow that same call to be fishers of people, or what we believe, disciples. Simply, you could call us Piscatas Rose. There's a difference between fishing as a lifestyle and fishing as a hobby. And when you're living to be a disciple maker, you're pushing yourself, but when you push yourself so much, sometimes you'll you'll eventually get to that state where you, where you just start doing it. Because what, what, what would really happen if we, if we were wrong? Nothing. But if we were wrong in the other way, man, what, what, what would that life be like? 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 Hey y'all, what's up? I hope you had a good day today. If not, you'll be in my prayers. Shoot us a DM, we'll, we'll pray for you. But I want to let you into something <laughs> that we were thinking about today. And we were thinking about the part of our brain that makes us think. <laughs> the part of our brain, I'm sorry. We're not perfect people. No. I, I totally could edit we this do, out. We but. really do pray for you, but it's just... Never heard that said before. <laughs> we need to, you need to pray for us. Yeah, I guess more. I did not even phrase that right. We're not. A, we are Gen Zers. We were we're, we're told often we're stupid, and <laughs> we might just be validating that point right now. But anyways, going into what we were looking at earlier, we were looking into the part of our body that makes us think. I said the part of our brain earlier that makes us think, but the brain is the thing that makes us think. <laughs> so that doesn't really make any sense. But basically, I was looking into the theory of left and right brain. And obviously, we use both sides of our brain. Hopefully, you use a percentage of your brain. I mean, the way some of us act. I mean, there's something called the frontal lobe a lot of us don't use because <laughs> it's not fully developed. But... There's still different parts of the brain that you use aside from the frontal lobe. So, left and right brain, it's a whole theory. And people who are dominantly left brain tend to be more methodical and analytical in their thinking. But on the right side, they tend to be more artistic and creative. And personally, I think I lean a little bit more on the left side of the brain. I do... Sometimes be a bit more creative, but at the end of the day, I do like to do things with a lot of logic, less emotional based, but I do like to have a strategy and like to have something a bit more specific. Facts are very, very important to me. And while I do like to have a bit of imagination, it's not, it's not as big as having the facts and having something specific, something specifically outlined for me. But on the right side of the brain, it's a bit different of a focus. Yeah, no, I know. I definitely use my right side of the brain. 
a lot more than my left. I wouldn't say necessarily I'm full right side, but I think I'm a lot more just not left side when it comes to organization and things like that. I'm definitely uh, am more creative and use my imagination, but I can say I'm definitely more not left than I am right. Yes. And it can also translate into the type of jobs you have. I know a lot they mention if you use your left side of your brain, you tend to like mathematics, which that is one thing that's not fully true about me. But if you like mathematics, you'd want to go into a field that you use a lot of math or statistics in, or maybe using the facts, you may be a lawyer, but you also could be a good lawyer if you have the right side of your brain with appealing to emotions. So just different things. I know one big thing that would be more obvious is using the right side of your brain for art. I think it's so interesting to see how different artists can just look at somebody, look at something and create a whole thing around it. Or even if you're not an artist, if you make plays, if you make movies, somebody can see something and get a whole inspiration or just thinking about something. They look at something and they make a whole situation out of it. And that's just the way we're made. I mean, at the end of the day, even if you are left-leaning, you still have that right side of your brain. And even if you think a lot about different artistic things, you still use the left side of your brain. But just ushering into today's topic, we want to really focus today on where sin begins. Now, I know you're wondering, why the heck did you bring that up? <laughs> well, we'll get into that here in a second. But Let's go to the beginning of the Bible and see where sin begins. So in the very beginning, we know Adam and Eve, was they were created. But that's also where sin entered the world. God made a perfect world, and he only really had one real defined rule, not to eat of a specific tree. And obviously, we're not in Eden right now. They done botched up, and now we have to suffer. Right? Like, they had it so good, man. (laughs) But it just goes to show that our free will, we just just don't listen. We don't (laughs) listen, and we still don't listen. So do we really even deserve it ourselves? We blame Eve. We blame Adam. Mm. But we don't listen. But one thing I really want to look into is specifically in Genesis 3, 6. And it says, when the woman saw, and this is after, by the way, the serpent was tempting her, right after he tempted her and was like, oh, that's not what God said. This is, he's just trying to prevent you. And she looked at the fruit and she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And then she took thereof of the fruit she did eat it. And she also gave some to her husband and did eat it. So when we look at that, we see that even though the devil came to her with that temptation, sin really began with her looking at it mm-hmm. and reasoning with it and yeah. fantasizing about it. Yeah, her eyes started to deceive her. Um, I remember when I'm thinking about this, I remember the little song, Be Careful Little Eyes, What You See, and all the different parts. But I immediately that's what came to my mind. It, you do have to be careful because it was obviously the temptation that ended up affecting her, but it was the looking at it. She spent time and dwelt on it and looked at it 
And when you start focusing on that is when sin does start to begin. Absolutely. I know it mentions that the eyes are the gateway kind of to one's soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, if you see, like, we're, we're, we we walk around, we see people doing bad stuff. We see people sinning. That doesn't mean we naturally mm-hmm. automatically want to sin because we see stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is very important what we do look at. Mm-hmm. And what we're letting into our eyes. But it's one thing when you have that temptation in front of you. And it's one thing to dwell on that well, temptation. Yeah. And if you keep looking at it, that kind of opens up into a new thing. So that is the first real example of sin. Sin is a disobedience. And also another thing it did, as you read throughout the story, is even though they had a guilty conscience, it kind of made them feel separated from God. Now, nothing can necessarily separate you from the love of God, but sin yeah. is a separation just because you're being disobedient. You yeah. separate yourself, not from his love, but you're making yourself go farther. Now, nothing is ever too far for his reach, but you are not. Yeah. It's not that God can't reach you, but you are separating yourself from God. And the more you sin, the more you separate yourself from God. So, Basically, at the end of the day, to define it in a biblical way, sin is a separation caused by disobedience. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going on another topic, um, after just looking at it, um, in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it talks about temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It taught there. It's talking about the carnal desire that leads to sin, and when you let things come in and come into your life, and, and you just start desiring those things. So we, we talked about when you see it, yes. and that, that's a, that's a step when you start desiring those things. When when you start saying, "Man, I really want that," and and, and it may not be necessarily something that in of itself is a sin, but the desire for something can definitely lead you into sin. Yes. And that kind of goes into our sinful nature. We as humans, I mean, we have free will, but we also, especially after the fall mm-hmm. that happened in Genesis, we do have a sinful nature. We do have an inclination to sin. Like, even though we all kind of have a moral code written on our hearts, you don't have to teach a baby to sin. Now we have yeah. certain things that we may not do automatically, but even though we have certain things we may not do automatically, you don't have to teach a kid to hit somebody. They're gonna, they're gonna hit. They're gonna be mad. They're gonna do all these things. They're gonna cry. They're gonna do things that aren't necessarily. I mean, crying isn't always bad, but they're gonna. You don't have to teach them to be bad. Nobody wants to. Most people, maybe there might be some crazy people that teach their kid to be bad, <laughs> but for the most of us, we don't necessarily have. Nobody has to be taught to be bad. We can do that naturally. But I think it's very interesting, the order it says. It says, so I'll just kind of reread it and then focus on the order. So focus, uh, (laughs) rereading James 1, 14 and 15, it says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own sin, evil desire and enticed. And then look right here in 15, read that. But focus on the order here. It says, then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Mm-hmm. So, is it bad to have that desire? 
Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I would say, you know, as we're looking at it, it, it isn't saying that desire in of itself is, is a bad thing, but when you start acting on that desire, it just becomes sin. Just like when you look at stuff, it's when you take act on what you're doing. Because sin of itself is caused from that act of you disobeying or doing something wrong. But these these things are gateways into easily falling into that sin. And I think another thing to focus on too, desires, I wouldn't necessarily consider sin. Now, there is such thing as evil desire, which it mentions literally in that verse. Mm -hmm. But just because you have an evil desire doesn't mean it's necessarily sin. And also the other thing I want to focus on too is that temptation itself is not a sin. You can be delivered from a sinful lifestyle. That doesn't mean you're going to be delivered from temptation. That's one thing that a lot of people do wrong when trying to witness the people just because they're delivered. And, you know, God might have helped bring somebody out of something. That doesn't mean they'll never, ever be tempted to do something again. But another thing with temptation is that we could be tempted by all sorts of things, but based on the evil desires, which it says by their own evil desires. I think another thing that's interesting as you look at people, I have absolutely no desire to ever smoke. It, it makes me sick to even be around it. I've, I wouldn't say I, had, I never, they put me on asthma, <laughs> an asthma thing a while back when I was a kid. I used to have a really bad coughing problem. I think God healed me from it because I would cough. Every five seconds, they gave me an inhaler. They figured out it wasn't that. I don't know what was wrong with me. But even then, ever since then, as a kid, I I haven't really liked to be, be around things that... I mean, and even just to be around the... This, it smells weird. I don't want to be around something that stinks. Yeah. I don't care what it's going to do to me. I'd rather not be around something that stinks. Now, alcohol, maybe that might be a little more tempting for me. I haven't <laughs> been in a situation where I've been pressured to do that. But... Something about specifically, just talking about specific temptations, specifically smoking. Like, that's just one thing I know for sure that I'll probably never have a temptation to do, simply because it repulses my flesh. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just repulse my spirit, it repulses my flesh too. But I, I believe one thing that you can also take away from this verse, it's not a major point of it. But it says by their own evil desires, they are enticed. So yeah. you can be presented different types of temptations of sin. Yeah. But it may not actually be something that your flesh craves. Yeah. We all have a sinful nature. Yeah. But not everybody's going to have the same evil desire. Not every sin is going to take down the same person. You know, different things will take you down. What, what affects me may not affect you. And it yes. may not affect someone else, but it may affect someone differently. So may, maybe we don't deal with alcoholism, but if there's an alcoholic when they see that, that is a different temptation to them than it is to me. So absolutely. Yes. And then it says after the desire has conceived, not after the desire consists. And another thing you can pray for is for God to, I can't say he will, I can't guarantee that he will take away those desires because your flesh is always going to want to sin. However, God can help you, even though you may have a desire, like, you know, you struggle with something, should I say, Mm -hmm. you know, you have struggled with something in the past. So you set up guardrails for one, 
But two, you can also pray for God to not lead you into temptation. It's literally a part of the Lord's prayer. It says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. There's always a way for an escape. I know the Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. And there's going to be times where you're going to be tested. God allows things to happen to you. He doesn't necessarily put that there, but he allows it to happen as a test. Because if that's happening... He knows that you can handle it. Yeah, absolutely. He He's not going to give you more he, than you can handle. Absolutely. And then two, sometimes we don't even put the guardrails up for us. Because some, some temptation, it's just going to happen. But there's certain times it's like maybe there's something on your phone. Maybe there's a certain crowd of people. Mm-hmm. Some people do not even necessarily, like not that they want to sin, but they're not willing to put the guardrails up. Maybe you're tempted by heavy lust and you're on social media all the time and you follow all these people just because you want to follow them. Yeah. And even though you like social media, and social media may not be bad for you as a whole, yeah. you're not putting guardrails up like, okay, I need to unfollow these people, mm-hmm. or I maybe need to not be around these people because they, I, I don't necessarily feel tempted all the time, but when I'm around these people, then I want to sin. Yeah. And kind of going back to being around those people, you know, Adam didn't eat of the fruit initially. Mm-hmm. He was around Eve who ate the yeah. fruit. And not saying that he intentionally surrounded himself with Eve, but sin likes to hang. Sin likes to have company. Yeah, you absolutely. Often likes to have company. So she brought that sin to him, and not that's not the greatest example in the world. But being around sin, somebody who's sinning will cause you to sin. That's part of the reason why the Bible encourages you not necessarily to not witness to sinners. But especially somebody who is your brother, somebody who is saved, especially who knows better mm-hmm. to do sin that keeps sinning. It's not good to be around that person because they're intentionally living a lifestyle of sin. Yeah. So we covered how desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Yeah. And then that sin fully grown gives birth to death. Absolutely. So you kind of see it, it gives chrono- chronologically how that works. So it's very important to put the guardrails up from the very beginning. Now, kind of transitioning into the very next verse, we have Matthew 5, 21 and 22. And it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire and hell. And then there's another verse later on in that same chapter, uh, verses 27 to 28. It says, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in, uh, with her in his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, sin starts in the heart. We can get in trouble for what we think about people, how we feel about people, and we can get in a lot of trouble for what we say about people. The term raka in that first section when it was talking about murder it's an Armenian term of contempt, which Armenian is kind of the language that Jesus spoke and a lot of people spoke at that time period in that area. And we really need to make sure we check how we feel in our hearts because how we feel in our hearts and the things that we think about people 
can lead to murder. It can conceive less, uh, conceive less and less, um, can conceive all sorts of different other sins, kind of similar to that verse before where it's saying that the desires led to different things. Also, the way we feel about people can lead to many different things. Absolutely. When when you let um, sin begin in your heart, you you start letting things in, and it makes me really think, why, why do we even do that? Why do we let sin come to our hearts? Why do we start dwelling on that sin in our heart? Well, what makes us do that? Is it because... Uh, the situation is it because someone has hurt us. Is it, it uh, is it because we're letting it affect our emotions? A lot of times we let things into our heart that doesn't necessarily need to be there. We let this world and these evil things come into our hearts when it doesn't need to be there, and it eventually will turn into sin. Yes, and this is the perfect time to kind of include what we brought up earlier. So. Yeah. Oftentimes, when the Bible mentions the heart, it's obviously not actually talking about our organ, the heart, but rather the emotional part of our being. And then usually when it's talking about the mind, it's talking about the logical part of the being, which from what we've read, that seems like it's talking more about the left and right side of the brain, as in the part of us that processes our emotions and the part of us that processes uh, how we think and reason about things and a lot I think is driven by emotion it, and even though the Bible says you can be angry it also tells us not to sin because we are angry but a lot of times we let it go too far we start thinking about things we start imagining things and we also start to reason with things so why do we even think about sin why do we think it's important to dwell on it and why do we even entertain temptation in the first place? Those are questions you can ask yourself. But part of us, I think, part of it, I think, is we're, we're not wired necessarily to sin. We have the sin, but we do have sinful desires. And then also we have emotions. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control over those emotions. Yeah. But if you're not working through the Spirit, then... Yeah, those emotions can get really out of control. So really that right side of the brain, that emotional side, that creative side, it can lead to us really yeah. thinking about people in a negative way. And it can lead to us committing bad things. But the interesting point about all this is that Jesus is saying, like in the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not be jealous and covet. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, sometimes we're like, oh, I don't kill people. But he's saying that it's it doesn't necessarily matter that, I mean, it does matter that you kill, kill people. Yeah. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is in the heart because you yeah. thought those negative things and that led to the sin. Yeah, that's why you really need to let God in our hearts. And that's why we, we talk about when we're becoming disciple makers and now you have to learn to live a life. It starts with controlling how you feel and in your emotions, you have to let God take over and in situations like these because it does so easily come in our hearts little by little, obviously, and and maybe sometimes it's bigger at times, but we let sin come in our hearts. So we have to 
live that life where let God come and live inside our hearts. Let him live in our emotions and understand that God has ultimate control. And those times when we have those instances where we want, when, when it's so easily to start sinning because of, of the emotions and of, of what's in our hearts, we let just go and give it to God and give it to him so he has that. And we aren't letting it settle down and, and go inside and then let it all fester and things like that. You lift it up from yourself and hand it to God. And one other important thing, to be a disciple, it even says one of the greatest commandments is to love, mm-hmm. for one, to love God, and then yeah. also to love other people and to put other people before us. But a lot of times sin is about yourself and gratifying yourself. So the first one kind of talked about more anger, mm-hmm. which is still kind of selfish, but yeah. what's wrong with looking at somebody? Yeah. <laughs> it leads to different fantasies. Yeah. and. You know, part of that fantasy is hoping, fantasizing that they're going to lust back after you. But in a way, that's selfish, too, because you're not necessarily looking for them because you necessarily love them. But you're looking at them as an an object, which even the world kind of sometimes doesn't even like that Mm -hmm. thinking. But then, of course, they endorse fornicating. So that's not necessarily really possible to really think that way. (laughs) But a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's not really that bad. But. It's really, a lot of the times, sin is a selfish thing. And it also leans into that left side of the brain. You know, we have those emotions where, you know, I just feel glad to do this. Or I just feel so, I just have a burning passion for this person. But it leads to sin. It leads to sinful actions. and leads to things that God commands us not to do. And then on top of that, you know, we have these feelings and we have those selfish feelings. But then it leads to reasoning. Mm -hmm. It describes the devil attacking it. When you when you look at the armor of God, it says one of those parts is the shield of faith, and faith is important as a disciple because not only are we selfish, selfless, but we also have a lot of trust in God, and that trust in God is going to protect us from what specifically. In that verse, it says from the fiery darts of the devil, because if we don't have our trust in God and trust in what God said in that law. If we put that faith down in his law and in what his word said and what he commanded us to do, then when we get shot by that dart, not only does it pierce our hearts, but it's just a fiery dart. It yeah. spreads. Yeah. And if we get shot in our mind, another thing is just the helmet of salvation. We're thinking about salvation without that helmet on, too. Yeah. That's another part of the armor of God. Now, there's the helmet of salvation, righteousness, living righteously. If we, we're not having those parts, yeah. uh, the armor of the spirit, mm-hmm. then we're susceptible to what the devil's shooting. Different yeah. things. It's like, oh, well, God didn't really mean that. That's what happened in the garden. Yeah. He started challenging what God said. And yeah. it's just like, why are we challenging what God said? Because the yeah. more that we start to let those darts, not only the dart hit us in, the, in our mind, but the spread, I'm thinking about, oh, God didn't really mean that or... God is just trying to prevent me from doing this art. Is it, is it really bad? It's not, it's not hurting anybody. Mm. We start to think, we start to reason about that. And that's where, you know, we have the heart, we have our emotions, but we also tend to think, we try to understand things in our own way to justify what we want to do. But that's sin also because not only do we fantasize about bad things, but we also 
in that fantasy go against what God said, yeah. which means we don't have faith in what God said, yeah. which that disobedience leads to the sin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, talking about this and going into the next passage, and um, in Romans 5, and uh, we're going to be doing verses 12 through 15. It talks about when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. When Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin, as we were talking about, where it will spread. Sin is something that will spread like a fire. In 13, it says, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who is yet to come. And verses, verse 15, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So here it talks about how from the act of Adam sinning, it brought in a fire to everyone. It talks about how how because of Adam and, and before the garden, there was no death in this world, but sin created death. Now, now, now in our terms, we're, we're saying death and for us, it's a spiritual death. When you let sin enter your heart, it turns into a spiritual death, and it turns into a death from God and your and spiritual separation. connection. That's yeah, what it separation. Is, a spiritual yeah. death. Another thing is too, which is something Satan also lied about, is that sin leads to death. He said, "You shall not surely die." Yeah. No, he didn't say your death. He said, "Well, he did say you will surely die." But, and they did eventually die because they weren't supposed to die, but they did end up dying. They didn't end up eating the fr- uh, from the tree of life, which he said, no, you need to get out because you yeah. cannot live forever and have the sin in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. But another thing is something still had to die. This is where the whole concept of sacrifices started because when they, before they left the garden, God gave them something. He killed an animal mm-hmm. and clothed them with that. Yeah. And from then on, it became a symbolic thing. Death and the blood, also blood, which represents life. You had to use some other form of death. You didn't necessarily have to Mm -hmm. die right then to atone for your sins. And that's why when we talk about having faith in Christ and putting your trust in Christ and surrendering to Christ and allowing him to your life, he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was that second Adam who took back the sins of the first Adam because he died as that sacrifice. He died as the ultimate sacrifice as the death that we were that was talked about mm-hmm. that you should surely die yeah that was the atonement for us mm-hmm. so i mean even though we still are going to die in this flesh everybody eventually yes. will die or get raptured away or something like that our spirit will live yes in, in god yeah and i and love it's only because of that sacrifice because of that yeah and it talks about it here in 15 it says difference between adam's sin and god's gift is that adam's sin brought death but god is greater and his wonderful grace is greater than that death because of his his death because Adam's sin but with God dying on the cross it paid the ultimate price his 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 gracious gift he didn't have to do that 
He didn't have to do that for us, but he gave it. He gave his life for us so that we could live and not die in the spirit, but to live forever with him as long as we go by these things and these rules that we have for us. And and, and they're not the same as they were back then. And, and if you go in and study back in the Old Testament, there were a lot of things that you had to do. And there were so many rules and this this number. It's not the same, but it's still hard. It's still hard. And I mean, if we're, if we're being realistic, it's still hard sometimes because, yeah, maybe it's not on the biggest level of when you look at something and when you, when, the, when you see something, it then turns into desire, which then can go into your heart, the desires of the heart. So when you see something, it could just be, it doesn't have to be something severe. It could literally be like, oh man, I saw my neighbor has a pool now, but now I really want a pool. Now I'm thinking about wanting a pool. Now, now I'm resenting them. It starts turning to resentment and leads to other mm. sins just from something as, as little as seeing a pool in my neighbor's back, yard. Picking yeah. back slightly, it talks about another verse says, if you have envy in your heart, mm-hmm. you have every evil work. Yeah, absolutely. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That is very scary. And then I also love what he said when he said he was talking about the different regulations. There was so it wasn't also just one type of sacrifice when that the law came about. There were all sorts of sacrifices, these wave offerings and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. There was a lot of stuff you had to do, and you had to do it over and over yeah. and over and over again for your sins. And yet we complain that we <laughs> have to confess our sins to God. Yeah. We you used to not even have a direct relationship with God. Jesus is the gateway and now we have the Holy Spirit and we can pray directly to God. Mm -hmm. But before that we had to go you had to go through a priest and then not only that you couldn't directly atone for your sins. You didn't we don't really have to give up that much now to atone for our sins because then you had to find your you had to get one of your animals. All all you all God asks is that you ask for forgiveness and turn from what you are. All he's saying is, you know what, you may you may have made a mistake, but I'm not you don't have to sacrifice anything but just turning from that mistake and don't make that mistake again. That's all God's asking. <laughs> and a lot of times we have pride in our heart, too much yeah. pride to even confess our sin and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just another example of that, even before, I guess there's another sacrifice story from directly after Adam and Eve, yeah. their sons, Cain and, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, Abel did the right thing. He gave a good sacrifice. He gave his best land, man. And Abel gave a couple nasty wilted, or not Abel, Cain. <laughs> Cain, yes, Cain gave, and that, that's what's funny is that not only did Abel give a blood sacrifice, and Abel didn't, and Cain did not, but Cain not only did he just give fruit, but he didn't give his best. He gave the worst. Not he just he just gave you know this this is some stuff, but he 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 didn't put his time. He didn't think about it. Yeah, and. and how crazy is that? That he was not willing to give God what what God deserved. He didn't put his time in. So that means he did he actually really mean to ask for forgiveness? Because right. if you're not really putting the time in, are you truly asking for forgiveness? And the way that correlates with now is if you're not going to God and praying and just saying, God, I'm sorry. And if you don't turn from that, yes. then you weren't sorry for it. And yes. that's how God sees it. And on top of that, not only... God didn't even really condemn him for that. I mean, he was like, no, that's not acceptable. Yeah. But he, he didn't get punished for that. No. He's just like, do better next time. Yeah. But no, he was so prideful and he became envious. Envious. And, and when you have envy in you, you have every evil work in you. Yeah. One of those evil works 
is to murder. Yeah. And that's what he did. Murder he killed. Evil. Now, I'm not saying that just because you're envious of something means you're just going to kill somebody right away. But then it also talks about if you have that evil intent to somebody in your heart, you've already committed that murder. Mm. Yeah. Even though you didn't do that. So that's why it's important to, one, obey and to give your best. Mm-hmm. But also, it's very important not to become envious and to lead to other sins. Mm-hmm. So just a quick recap. We see that sin started in the garden. Mm-hmm. It started when that whole story, Adam and Eve, the snake, serpent, the yeah. serpent, they were enticed. They were presented the temptation. They looked at it. That Them looking at it and desiring it led to the sin mm-hmm. and that sin le- leads to death both it could lead to death spiritually if it's fully conceived mm-hmm. but it also led to a death that required a sacrifice but here's the here's the flip side of that coin the beginning of the sin was the beginning of grace yeah without yeah. because we sinned we have to depend on god even more than what we did before mm-hmm. that's the great thing about god god did not just was like you know what we're done with humans. Now, you know, there's the story of Noah. There's a lot of sinful things that were going on. But, but he didn't kill all humans you know, because he, of that. He, wanted to, he, found, he found Noah to love. And yeah. that, that's exactly the point is, is from everything, we make mistakes every day. And, and before us, there have been mistakes made down the line from, from Adam and Eve. But he still shows his grace. So, yeah, that, like you said, that one sin brought sin into the world, but also brought his grace. Yeah, and which which it said in the that verse in um, Matthew or no Romans it said about how his grace is greater. Yes, so absolutely even greater, and that's why it's so important to put your faith in God and trust in God because that sin it will separate us not from His love, but it will separate us mm-hmm. in a sense that it puts distance in between us and God. God's love has no ending reach, but. We can put ourselves farther away. We can walk away from it and not be obedient. And if we keep walking too far, we're going to spiritually die. But as long as we're living, Mm -hmm. we can turn away from it, which is why it's so important to keep its commandments and not sin in the first place Mm -hmm. and to not dwell on the sin. But it's also important to turn to God if we do. You'll never be too far. So in our final passage in Romans 8, um, 35-39, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Jesus, him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So so in this, it kind of goes on and on a little bit in those last couple verses, but it really is just trying to show you how you cannot be separated from Jesus. You may be separated in, in your sin, but you can't be separated from his love. He will still always be there for you and love you, no matter what, no matter the separation that you may have tried to cause in your sin and walking away from God. God's love is still with you, no matter what. Yes, even the most evil people 
God still loved them, even though they still got their consequences if they didn't listen and obey. And another thing, too, in the garden, when sin began, the sin separated them, not from his love, because God already knew what they did, Mm -hmm. but in our conscience, in our mind, and in our heart. And then also, we tend to be prideful beings a lot, which is why we need to have humility and meekness Mm -hmm. and to just be humble. Yeah. But a lot of times we have pride instead, so we don't want to go to God when we sin. So it's less, it's because God's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. And he knows what you did. And of course, we need to go to him to be cleaned. But a lot of times it's our conscience that separates us. Mm-hmm. But in reality, our conscience lies to us because God's love is still going to be there no matter what you did. You could have done the most evil thing imaginable in our human brain. Now, to God, all sin's the same. Yeah. It's all disobedience. Mm-hmm. But we, in our mind, feel farther than what we actually yeah. are. When actually God's love is right there. We just have to turn Absolutely. around. We just have to make those steps to turn around because God's love is with you and it's going to help guide you back to him. It just wants you to take that step and turn around. God's love is right there. He just says, if you turn around, I'm with you, and I'll walk with you, but you just need to turn back around, and I'm going to be right there. Yes, and it's through Jesus that saves us from death. I know there's, a, there's even a scripture in First John 3, 4 through 6, and it says, but if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the Bible mentions that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Why? Because we have sin in our hearts. Mm -hmm. But God can cleanse us from our unrighteousness. We mentioned how symbolic it was for Jesus to die because he was that sacrifice. He paid that price of death physically to be an atonement for our sins. But a lot of times we don't want to accept them. And some of us, you know, there's the Pharisees in the Bible. When Jesus was there walking on the earth, mm-hmm. they had a lot of audacity, a lot of audacity. <laughs> they tried to even stun that woman. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But he, he said, whoever doesn't have sin, cast the first, first stone. And they yeah. knew good and well, they would have been lying. They, they, all, they, all, they all left. They all just walked away. They dropped their stones and they walked away because they all knew they didn't have sin. And they had sin in their hearts. They all knew they were not exempt from that sin. And that's why it says our righteousness without God is as filthy rags. Mm-hmm. We are nothing without God. It doesn't yeah. matter how quote unquote a good life you live because at the end of the day we all do bad things. We all disobey God and have at one point. Yeah. So we have to realize that we can't be perfect on our own. And that's, that's not, that's normal. But what needs to happen from there is to put our trust in God and trust in his son. He's the gateway. He's the gracious gift that was born on the same day that sin was conceived on this earth for the first time. Absolutely. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful for God's grace because I know in my life, he's helped me. He's helped me so many times with that grace where we can look at it and be like, man, I'm so far away from that cross. Is it worth turning back and walking towards it? But at any point, it is 100% worth it. And if there's someone out there that thinks, I'm too far gone, and that cross is so far behind me, it's not worth turning back for. But when you turn back, God's love is right there with you, and he's walking with you back. 
hundred all the way. It doesn't matter what you've done. Because as we said, these these things, and as we talked about through this podcast, a lot of things are sin, and a lot of things can take us away from God. And it may be small steps that turn into big steps. It may just always be a little steps that you don't realize until you've taken so many little steps, you're like, wow. But once you get there, you may think, well, there's no point in turning back. But there always is a point in turning back because God's love is always right there. Yes, I know a lot of people, even me sometimes, it's just like, I have that mindset to where, well, I already started. I might as well just keep going at this point. Mm, yeah. And a lot of us have that mindset, well, we already we already sinned, so we might as well do more since we're sinning in this moment and we can ask for forgiveness later. But it says not to it's trample on place. the blood yeah. of Christ yeah. and the scriptures. So it's important not to take that grace for granted. Granted, we'll always mess up, but it's very important to not intentionally live that lifestyle. Christ came as a gift for us. And a lot of times there's people who leave the church and feel like they're too far gone because they left and they have pride and they don't want to go back when God's still there. Now you have people with all sorts of problems, but their righteousness is as filthy rags. They yeah. have nothing without God. Mm. So they ain't living right, especially if they don't let you back. Yeah. You just need to find a different church because yeah. it's important to be at church but don't determine God based off of certain people in church because they need work on too. They really yeah. need to be in church if they're not letting you come back. But yeah. that's not a preach pre- preaching truth that they're not letting you come back. Yeah, and then on the other, uh, another thing too is a lot of us are deceived by the devil who are not necessarily didn't grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. I need to clean myself up before I go to mm-hmm. church. That's not possible. No, you, you you can't get into God. You can't be. You can't wait for the perfect moment. To live for God, because that perfect moment will never come. If you if you say, I'm not going to live for God until I make sure I'm 100% right. I get off the drugs. I get off this. I get off that. I, I want to turn everything away, then I'll start living for God. Because if you wait for that perfect moment, you'll always find another reason not to come. You need to just accept God in your full heart and start on your relationship with God where you're at. Because God will then take you away from where you're at, take you out of that sin. But you need to make that first step and say, you know what? I'm serving God now. I'm taking that. I'm taking that U-turn, and I'm going now. And I may be where I'm at, but I'm going to start. I'm not going to have. I'm not going to try to walk backwards. I'm not going to try to walk backwards. I'm taking that U-turn, and I'm going towards God. Yes, and it all goes back to that concept of sin separating us. It was born out of disobedience. And it separated us, not from his love, but in our mind. It's very funny to see how God sees sin and how we see sin. Because to God, all sins are the same. Now, there's certain uh, there's sins that are mentioned as abominations in the Bible, which typically that's a lifestyle. and it's dark. But at the end of the day, they're still all seen the same in his eyes. Versus us, we're like, okay, this one, this is the little white lie, but you killed somebody. Oh, now you will get consequences for everything. That was always a thing in the Bible anyways. You're going to get consequences for your sin. It's just because you get grace doesn't mean you'll always be free from the consequences as far as on this earth. But at the end of the day, it's going to free you. It's going to free you. and But we have to be willing to turn around and go and walk and live in freedom. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for not taking a U-turn out of this podcast and listening all the way to the end. Yes, we we love you and we thank you. But unfortunately, this is the end. We talked about the beginning and now the podcast is ending. But <laughs> take these words to heart. 
take think about these words. Put write allow God to write his law on your heart so you, you won't sin against him. And begin to think about what this stuff is. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, no matter where you are. We're so thankful you listen. Nothing can separate you from his love, but unfortunately, <laughs> you're about to be separated from hearing our voices. I mean, you may be happy. You'll be like, I'm delivered from these annoying people, but I'm sure those people have already left by now. It's, it's, it's like we're at the well past the 45-minute mark. You guys have a lot of patience. We thank you for staying if you were, being, you were one of the patient ones. But, and, and we will see you next week. Yes. Be sure to follow us all on all of our platforms if you haven't already. Leave a good review if you could. And we hope you have a wonderful day.